This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, what's happening? This is TC Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. This week, I give my thoughts on the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth demo. The latest update to Cyberpunk 2077 will require a transit pass. I also check out the elaborate open world beta of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Then, in our final stage, I give my thoughts on Batman Arkham Trilogy as well as going to rant mode as I talk about gamers' obsession for high-end graphics and frame rate. Does it really define one's overall experience in a game? All this and more. In this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extra, select start. Welcome to the show to give you all the news, views, and opinions in the world of gaming. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extra, select start with your host, Xavier Josiah. Power up and game on. Welcome back to another game-filled edition of Select Start, the video game podcast for ACMG Presents Talk Time Live and TalkTimeLive.com. I am your host, Xavier Desai, and in this episode, while there's not that much news going on, we will cover my thoughts on some demos that I've uh, come across and a little bit of news that is coming about, but nothing really newsworthy this week. I think everything's in preparation for the Game Awards, which is next week, and we'll talk about that. That's our biggest episode of the year because we pretty much cover all the major categories and everything and give our thoughts and plus the announcements for whatever games that are coming or available or whatnot it will be there too so we'll be talking about that i may actually be on board with boris and him as we talk about that as well on his show it's um canon podcast as well so um we'll be talking about all that next week it's, it's gonna be a lot but this week, not so much has been really quiet, but there are some things that we're, we are going to talk about. Some news from CD Projekt Red uh, in regards to, you know, Cyberpunk, we'll talk about that. But basically, this episode is going to be me going in a bit of a rant mode because, as you know, Batman has entered the world of Nintendo in the form of the Arkham Trilogy, which a lot of people were excited about. And especially when they announced it, it was delayed for a bit because they wanted to make sure that this thing was stable. And I credit to Rocksteady for doing that because they are affiliates of WB Games and WB Games has been under fire since the Mortal Kombat 1 situation. So they didn't want to be the other joke. The question is, did they succeed? And that's what we're going to talk about in our final stage. I'm going to get my thoughts on this. Uh, I've been playing it for hours on end and um, put like this. This is a DC gaming weekend uh, because not only have I been playing this, I was also playing Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League demo and we'll talk about that as well. But along with my thoughts on the Arkham Trilogy for the Nintendo Switch, I am going to talk about something that is really bugging me as of late and I always let it go because it was normally directed toward and geared towards the PC, you know, gaming community because they could be elitist and annoying 
and dorky at times when it comes to stuff like this but i'm seeing that is getting it's spreading out further outside that that region and it's the issue of overall experiences determined by high-end graphics and frame rate and that is something that is annoying the hell out of me so we're going to talk about that uh in accordance of me talking about the batman arkham trilogy because they play hand in hand uh as you know because it's on a nintendo switch there's going to be a little bit of you know diluted quality in terms of visuals in there but i will tell you this you're gonna like what i have to say about this game um when i when it, when we talk about it and a lot of things that i'm going to talk about is basically saying you know it's not that big of a deal either you know it's just really not um but i want to i want to discuss why this may be why this obsession may be you know i it, i might go on a tangent in this one so stay tuned for that but for now let's talk about some other things for instance i finally got my hands on the like a dragon infinite wealth demo because after you beat the uh, initial like a dragon guiding game they give you access to play a little bit of like two chapters of the uh of the infinite wealth game which is the uh it's it's the sequel to yakuza like a dragon which starred ichiban um Kasu, uh, kasuga uh and it picks up where it left off but it also intertwines with like a dragon gaiden as well so the cool part about this game that i enjoyed because i've been playing like a dragon games uh you know for a long time like a very long time including some imports as well uh import spinoffs that was on a psp or whatnot and a lot of people don't realize that like there was a psp spinoff uh of that on um of the series in there which it was had it was featured a whole entire other character um in there and he never really brought that character back i don't know why they just never did um but it, it exists out there so the one thing i was waiting for because if you played uh yakuza like a dragon which was the last video game to use the yakuza uh moniker on there you know and, and for those who don't know yakuza was the title that they had just for the us i didn't know that rgg studios um used it i thought it was used for both but it was localized for here as yakuza for some reason and in japan it was you know ryaga gotoku which is the name of their company also you know japanese for like a dragon um so rgg studios basically i'm so glad that they just you know initial that rgg because a lot of people it's a tongue twister for a lot of people to say ria um ryu ga gotoku and it took me a while to even practice to learn how to say that properly um but rgg studios basically had just said we're gonna call it like a dragon from this here on out on every console uh from this point out so um thing that i was hoping for because the last game featuring ichiban it was in english and it was one beside that and judgment the judgment series were both in english and what is great about this upcoming game is that this includes kiryu kazuma kazuma who has come you know he's crossed over right now the last like a dragon guiding game has crossed over both 
the uh, Ichiban story and the judgment story into one thing. So this is like the this is becoming the end game type of situation where now we're starting to see all these different, you know, spinoffs go into the main deal. So, uh, you know, Kiryu is now interacting with Ichiban and he has interacted with characters from the Judgment series in, you know, Gaiden. I am looking forward to a big, big, big game. It's got to come. I think him, I think Ichiban, Kiryu, Ichiban, and Yagami are all going to do a game together. I think this is what this is leading up to because it's it's all coming in. So Infinite Wealth basically is Ichiban's game, but it will include the appearance of Kiryu Kazuma in there, uh, who will be helping uh, Ichiban in this tale. Be it that being the fact that is an English dub, I was looking forward to hearing Kiryu in English for the first time ever. And my wife was with me and see how excited I got when I heard that. Cause I just finished, I literally just finished um, Gaiden at the time. And I immediately turned it on and I'm like, and I noticed that it picks up the, it's like, um, it literally picks up right where it left off from Gaiden. And after hearing his voice, I got so excited. Now, granted, my wife, I, my wife didn't know what the hell was going on. She didn't understand what was going on because I'm like, you don't understand. I told her like, you don't understand. I've been playing this game for years. This is the first time this character has ever spoken English. I'm extremely excited. While I am excited, the the voice is okay. I was expecting a little bit more, you know, masculine voice, sort of like how Kaiji Tang's voice is. Um, and I probably would have used if I was casting, I probably would have used Kaiji Tang for the role of um, Kiryu. Unfortunately, they can't do that because he's already the voice. Uh, he's already voicing Ichiban uh, Kazuka, Kazuka in here already. So it's like, I think, it, which he does really great with that. And I've grown attached to that, but um, I know some other voices who could have possibly played that, who sounded like Kaiji, but yeah, probably would have sounded exactly the same. So they had to, they had to contrast the voices again i get that but it's not bad it's a really good voice um nonetheless but man it is it is just awesome to hear him in english for the first time it is sur quite surreal um now if anybody's played the um yakuza like a dragon game with ichiban before then you know this is a different type of game than the regular yakuza series or judgment series whereas ichiban is a guy who loves video games. He loves role-playing games. So he, from the first game, he said that he pictures himself when he fights, he pictures himself as if he's in a role-playing game, which means the game plays like a turn-based role-playing game. While I appreciate that and I love that wackiness of the game, I am not a fan of turn-based. At least this, this was like, this is not even just this turn-based. This was traditional turn-based. Like there's some turn-based games that I have grown accustomed to, but they're really fast paced, you know, it doesn't stop. And some of them actually let you defend. Not this one. And I've played the game and I've played it as far as I could. And it's just like, it, I, I just, I'm not a fan. Cause every once in a while, what I hate about turn-based games is that you do tend to get stuck in a certain area every well often. And 
if you get stuck, it's like it gets boring and it becomes stale and every you know, and so so it's not like and then on top of that, you gotta wait to get hit by the other guy. Like I just never I hate that. I really now granted, as a person who watches pro wrestling and watches Japanese strong style, I could kind of get that, but this is based on like real fighting. And when you're fighting in an army or enemies or anything, they're not gonna wait for you. Wrestling is fine because it's just like bravado. And it's like, all right, hit me and see how much I can take your hit. That's fine. But this is like, you're you're in a gang war. You're in a, you know, mob fight. You're in a battle. You're getting shot at, you know, or you're in medieval times and you got swords and dragons. And like, I'm not going to sit there and let you hit me. I'm going to at least defend myself and try to get you back. I, I just, that part of it, it took me out of the um, disbelief of what's going on. Action RPGs are my thing. So it's just the, the thing is like this does have the RG, uh, the RG, uh, RPG, I should say combat system, but it has changed a bit to format Kiryu's combat style as well. Um, each character for what I understand has a different way of, you know, using their combat system because Kiryu, we're all used to him doing, you know, just free roaming action RPG style, you know, uh, battling and combat. They implemented that a little bit on there. So what happens is when Kiryu's gauge fills, there's a gauge that he has and it fills up a certain time. He can convert, uh, he can convert it and activate it to convert to free Roman brawling style. Like we're used to. So he'll, he'll be able to run around and just beat the living crap out of everybody. Um, because he's not into that RPG life. He's into that. Like I'm ready to just kick everybody's ass life, <laughs> you know? So I like that they do that too. The gameplay from before what made, um, like a dragon, uh, Yakuza like a dragon. So fun is the over the top wackiness of it when he does certain moves. And that is also back as well. Uh, you get to see some very wacky gameplay and, and action and, um, attacks that Ichiban has created and all the stuff. It's, it's really, that's where the fun comes in, in, uh, in that situation. But also the character of Ichiban is a lot of fun. And that's what kind of kept me from, kept me going with playing because I really enjoyed his character. And now that he's teaming up with Kiryu, it was, it's really awesome. The story basically is that it picks up directly where like a dragon Gaiden uh, left off where we saw Kiryu leaving Japan to visit his foster family in, uh, in Hawaii, as well as complete another mission that we don't get to know what that is. They left that out, but, uh, somehow he finds out that Ichiban is also in Hawaii and decides to help out with his situation to pay him back for helping him, uh, Kiryu during the events of, uh, Gaiden. Now, one thing that just weirded me out with this is because they're now in the U S they're in Hawaii. They're in the U S now. So it's so weird. There's some weird, significant things about this. Like all the time that I've been playing like a dragon games, we've been playing in Japan. So the currency, the yen currency <laughs> is all, I'm so adjusted to the yen currency, but here they're in the U S now. So we're now using U S currency and it, it, for some reason, it just feels weird to see quarters and dimes and nickels and all this stuff in here and all this stuff. And there's a lot of Americanized like type of situations in here. Like the, 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 uh, 
the clothing, the fashion of the uh, NPCs. Um, you just, you know, the black people in there look like black people from, you know, America rather than black people who live in Japan or something like that. Um, it just, it, it, it's surreal to see these characters who've been embedded in Japan for so many years is now in the US, is now, you know, doing things in the, in the US. And I am incredibly excited about this game. Um, I'm not too excited about the combat system per se, but they did change it. It kind of, what they did, it kind of reminds me of uh, World of Warcraft in a sense, like there's a, a huge circle um, where basically if you're within that circle, you can use, you can attack that person. You could use an attack on that person or whatnot. Um, you still, you know, have a SP type of gauge where you can only use certain moves a certain amount of times and whatnot. And, you know, stuff like that. I mean, so a lot of the same fundamentals of the first game is on there, but they did tweak it to change it and make it a little bit more, uh, fat, make the pacing faster and whatnot. So I am, I am actually more here for it than I am not, but, um, uh, just surreal i love this i just i am just waiting because it just distort from a storyline standpoint it just all looks like it is leading to something huge that is going to involve kiryu ichiban and yagami we have not seen yagami uh yet in the in connection to these two but we've seen other their their side characters team up with uh kiryu so, which means it's only a matter of time before Yagami steps in and puts his two cents and we get a all out awesome game. I think, I hope when that happens and it's not even just if it's when, when that happens, I need Ichiban to be in, I want it to be action RPG and I want to see Ichiban just go all out in this case. I need him to step in. Now that Kiryu was able to step in his world. I need Ichiban to step into their world and just start, you know, just going balls to the wall out crazy give him some wacky stuff during his combat but like i need him to be free roam and be uh, you know brawler at this point so uh i'm looking forward to that it is just it, it looks it, game looks incredible it's always been ahead of the game in terms of photorealism uh realism with the character models and everything um one of the rgg is one of the innovators but it took from they took from Yu Suzuki, who made Shinmu, and I believe one of the people behind RGG Studios was a predecessor, or um, um, not a predecessor. Um, they were uh, an like an intern or whatever for uh, Yu Suzuki, um, protege, I should say. They were a protege of Yu Suzuki. So a lot of what we see in Yakuza or Like a Dragon stems from what was done in in Shinmu in the Shinmu series, but. I will say this, they superseded, they superseded Yu Suzuki in every way. Like, you know, shout out to the legend himself, whose games are in Miss, at the Smithsonian Museum, mind you, for his contributions in the video game industry. But they took the formula in uh, of the of Yu Suzuki in his engine, in his open world engine, and they superseded it in so many ways. Um, so I, I'm very much looking forward to this game. It looks awesome. Um, I love that they're finally creating a universe within the like a dragon, uh, world. So I am, I'm all for it. So look out here's something else going into other news that I'm looking forward to cyberpunk 2077 is coming out with an update next week. And this is a big, 
big, big update. Another big, big update. Like they are really, when they say that they're really making things happen and they really doing a lot into this world, they are. Update 2.1 will now give, give you the ability to ride a train through Night City. So no longer will we have to, we can fast travel or just travel by car or by motorcycle. There are certain areas where we will be able to travel using a train system now. That is awesome. Like if you played this game already, you know that there's this game is awesome already. And now they're adding on more. So now you'll be able to ride on a train using this new um, update, which is also adding some other bells and whistles to it. Uh, there are updates and improvements to motorcycles and other vehicles that they already have. Plus they announced that new vehicles will be available and added into the game. All of this is coming next week. And by the way, just in time before the game awards. So we'll probably, um, if we don't already see it by the time the game awards come, we'll probably see a trailer of it during the game awards, but there is no coincidence that all this is prepping for next week. Um, so I'm looking for it. So like, and it seems like that things are still running smoothly, despite the crazy year that they had, uh, crazy year of events that, you know, CD project Red has had, which included reports of great sales of 4.3 million for Phantom Liberty. Well-deserved since its release while also unfortunately reducing employment by 10%. So I, 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 you know, it seems like things are doing good and there may have been a reason why they felt that they had to do it that way. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, I hope those 10% does find work elsewhere. Um, or maybe hopefully they can find their way back to CD project red or other things, but you know, it, it sucks that they, that had to happen with that said, this, uh, this new deal looks to be good i'm looking forward to this new update and see what happens from there and see what else they're gonna i hope we get another expansion i uh, hope this is not the end for cyberpunk 2077 because it's just i feel like there's so much story to tell in that world there's so much that has happened i would also say if they do another expansion that we get a much better ending than we did with phantom liberty <laughs> like oh my god what a what a dilemma that yeah i don't know i've never watched sophie's choice but i feel like this is what sophie's choice was and they gave you that type of uh you know scenario in this game whereas like you damn if you do and you damn if you don't you know um if they do an expansion please give us a payoff because oh my god when i played the ending of uh phantom liberty and I chose to stay alive. And then I did. We finally get to stay alive. It was not without paying the ultimate price of losing certain characters that I loved. And, oh, broke my heart. Broke my damn heart. When I, so I'm like, this is just, this is, this is so sad. It's, 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 it's great, but it's sad at the same time. It's like, this dude will never be happy. It's <laughs> okay. Never. So, we it's 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 uh it's it's crazy it's like do you die happy or do you stay alive sad i want another option <laughs> then again i have not there's one there's one uh love interest that i've not done yet 
that I'm wondering how that story goes from there. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how that storyline goes. So I will eventually replay the entire game again. It even go to Phantom Liberty and play that again to see how that story is going to end in that situation. There's some change. There's some changing, uh, scenarios that I got to do with Phantom Liberties too, that I didn't do in the first time around. So again, so much game to play with that, um, with that title. It is just amazing. So, all right. Last thing I want to talk about, like I said, this is a short episode. So last thing I want to talk about before I go to the final stage and rant and also talk about something very interesting. I want to get my thoughts, my first impressions of the suicide squad killed the justice league, which is out now for beta. If you signed up and I believe you can sign up is going to be open for like a month. I believe at least um, a few weeks. Um, I highly recommend you check this game out now. I mean, wow. Rocksteady is not playing around. Let me just tell you this. So you will get the opportunity to play all four characters, Deadshot, uh, Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn, and King Shark played by one of my favorite all time, um, all time wrestlers, Samoa Joe, who does a really good job playing King Shark. Let me tell you, um, look, y'all thought y'all liked him as Sweet Tooth. He is awesome as King Shark in this game. Uh, so I'm so glad he's, look, can I tell you real quick? I'm a wrestling fan, as you guys know, but I've watched Samoa Joe dating back to 2002. I was there for those who are wrestling fans listening and watch Ring of Honor. I'm in Philadelphia, so I was around when Ring of Honor was formed. I've been around during the Gabe Sapolsky uh, and uh, Rob, Rob Feinstein era, but we're not supposed to talk about the name for obvious reasons. But um, during the original run of Ring of Honor in 2002, Samoa Joe made his appearance, I think in 2003, actually. He made his appearance, and I was there for his first, for his debut match against Low Key in Ring of Honor. And when I saw this dude, I knew we had something special. And it was like the one of the most hard hitting matches I saw in person at the time. And we started seeing his guy grow in development and his character and everything. And you saw where his road is going from NWA TNA to WWE to NXT and all that stuff. Um, and, and now, um, in AEW and now he's doing even bigger things. He's appearing in Hollywood and doing voice roles and doing all types of really awesome things now. And I'm just looking at this like this dude probably I was around when this dude was probably only getting paid like a couple hundred bucks. It's not even 40 bucks to do a match or whatever like that. Um, like these guys grind wrestlers grind. And I've always appreciated the grind of them doing what they love, not for the money, but for the passion of what they love. And eventually because they love it so much, they end up becoming what they want to gear to be, but also getting paid what they want to do. And they're not doing it for the money. A lot of times they're doing it because they just love the craft. They grew up loving wrestling. They wanted to become wrestlers and they love it so much. Like you could tell the ones that make it the most are the ones who love it, loves it that much. Um, you know, the Seth Rollins is the, um, you know, the, uh, Brian Danielson's the yes, the CM punks as well. All those guys, like they love the business and they were around when they weren't making that much money. I think that's the misconception that people don't have is like these guys were getting paid $40 to 
with no with no health insurance, mind you, they with no insurance at all, and sleeping in cars and you know just going traveling from state to state to different parts of the country because they loved it. And now they're making the money that they're at are. And Samoa Joe is one of those people. So to see him play, you know, Sweet Tooth on Twisted Metal or King Shark, it's it's so awesome to see that that from you know started from the bottom now we hear type of uh, storyline from him because that's exactly what it was but i've really enjoyed everything about this game so far over i played like literally over a hour of gameplay footage i think they it's under a timer <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me it's over it's like um a little over an hour i think it's a time frame or whatever to it that allows you to get from one point to another in a game and you play, you know, it covers the first two chapters of the game. Um, so you get to see a lot of story and just the, like, which tells me if I played as much as I played in this demo, there is a hell of a lot more. And it was just two chapters. There is a hell of a lot more coming when the game actually releases. Um, look, I, I, I knew there was a lot of issues with this game. There's a lot of online thing controversy with this game. I will tell you, I love the first person, the you know, the single player experience of it. Um, searching, you know, the, the storyline element was great. Searching for the Flash, uh, who was trying to save the Justice League from Brainiac's control. Basically, is was the story of this whole thing is Brainiac has pretty much taken over Metropolis, like pretty much the Akatsuki went to take over the Hintley village in Naruto, basically, and pretty much destroyed Metropolis for that matter. But he also used all of his, you know, troops. And then all on top of that, somehow took control of the Justice League. And with now with the Justice League on his side, he is able to really rule the entire world. The only last hope that they have is Task Force, uh, Task Force x mind you aka the suicide squad and let me tell you man i am loving this story this is based around the arkham universe and which i love the fact that i'm going to be talking about arkham trilogy when we get down there but there's a lot to like so far in this game i mean like the the um the story that i came in on is when i wanted to search for the flash and i thought that's all i was going to do i did not realize i was going to be encountering so much in this part of the story um basically when you pick out which chapter you want you could also pick out which section of the story you want to do so i saw search for the flash i picked that one i went in there and we started you know amanda waller wants all of us to try to find the flash to you know get him back before brainiac you know gets a control of him and we find the flash basically trying to fight green lantern and trying to get him back and you know it doesn't work out the way that he wants to so it doesn't happen there. Um, finding and recruiting the penguin was also a part of a mission too, who will eventually help supply task force, uh, X with weapons and other upgrades. So he's going to be your upgrade guy and all the stuff. There's also in a, um, a character in the game called hack, who is a, a girl, a little girl who's pretty much comatose, but her mental link to the internet or to the cloud or whatever like that allows her to project to really control a lot of the you know she's becoming a supercomputer when in comatose mode allowing her to do you know free roam 
on the internet and other things and being able to get access to other things and help the suicide squad gain access to certain areas they weren't able to get access to um also she's able to help them uh upgrade their abilities and skills as well so she's part of they made her to be a part of the skill tree system in the game so i thought that was clever and cool then upon going to the hall of justice you find of all people wonder woman in the game badass <laughs> just like there's so much to the game here but none is more none there's no interaction better or in this case more scarier than the encounter with batman who is also played by the legendary late great kevin conroy and let me tell you i got a little emotional hearing his voice because you know he's no longer with us and this is his final performance as, as uh, bruce wayne and batman and it just reminded me of why i so wanted to play this game we not only get privy to him in the game as batman kevin conroy has done a it appears that kevin conroy has done a ton of lines for the game like hundreds upon hundreds of lines in the game as you can hear him talking to other justice league members and brainiac troops as you kind of hack into his trend you know the, you know the uh the uh link to their you know comms and whatever like that so you could kind of hear everything that he's talking about and you just hear kevin conroy because apparently kevin conroy's i mean uh, batman is the one is the general of brainiac's uh army so we're gonna hear a lot of them but there's a certain part of this a really awesome part in the game where you're going into this museum that covers a lot of uh arkham's history uh um or, you know uh, or gotham's history if you will what it actually does is that it actually trace it, it really gives you all of the backstory of everything that has happened in the batman arkham series they even like they even show the arkham knight in there and they're all in like these life-size you know life-size cardboard cutouts and whatnot it's really cool but all of a sudden the lights turn off and harley quinn knows exactly what it is first of all they go into this museum and they she kind of picks up and under feels like batman's here and they're worried the rest of the squad is worried because they feel like you know he's killing people she's like no he doesn't kill people that's not a style and all of a sudden a guard a, a guard comes and she's like she has a bat ring stab uh, a stab uh mark on her neck like a, a you know is like she's super dead batman killed this chick of course he's under the control of brainiac and now the suicide squad is which literally they earned the title suicide squad by going into this museum as he turns off the lights and what was cool about this is that you enter in and you got you got to hit up you got to hit the l um the l trigger to turn on the lights to turn on your flashlight on your gun to you know make sure you know where you're going as you go along you see something very familiar in the form of a foam a bit of, like sort of a foam uh you know drawing of um a bat now if anybody who's played the any of the arkham games including arkham asylum 
you know that that's the explosive foam from the game and right there i was like and, and i it took me a while as i walked up to it and i started to realize what this is and i'm like oh my god i know what this is and i needed to back up but it was too late and the thing exploded in front of me so all through the game all through the game i ended up i pretty much ended up like needing to make sure that i take out these foam uh these foam uh explosives that batman has put together so that is right there is also a kind of a you know wink wink easter egg thing for people who played the arkham series because that's something that you would do to bust through walls and everything in the game so i thought that was so awesome how they implemented that in and it was like a reward for those who played you know the arkham series i was like oh this is awesome so basically what happens is that there it's inevitable you can't stop batman you're going in he's sneaking around he's going to get you eventually and he takes you out this reminds me of the old uh friday the 13th video game from the nes where it's like you never know when jason's gonna come and then the music just hits all out of nowhere and he comes out of nowhere but um this was awesome i thought this was fantastic he ends up taking out all the um the suicide squad and um uh, it was cool luckily they managed to stay alive for the whole thing i love the storylines that you get to learn a little bit about other characters of these of task force x like uh deadshot apparently this is not the same deadshot from before this is somebody different so i think when we get the full game we're going to learn more about his story his backstory whatnot so there were a lot of things that were brought up that was like okay i really want to know about this situation but i won't be able to know until the game comes out of 2024 um I would also note this, and I thought this was very clever from Rocks, uh, Rocksteady because they're giving us so much game to play um, for this time. They're going to make sure that you don't share a damn thing about this game. Now, I thought this was like some sort of a cosmetic, you know, feature for gamers, a cool thing for gamers. I didn't realize that this is not, this is actually a watermark. So to prevent gamers from letting out any video footage or images from the beta, they provide a watermark with your game tag on there all over the screen. Like sort of like when I, um, when I have clients, when I do graphic design or logo design for clients or whatnot, I do the same exact thing. I put in watermarks because they haven't paid for their, they have yet to pay for their, um, the project work that I've done for them yet. So if in order for them to see samples of it, what, what I used to do, it's basically what I used to, but I don't do it anymore because now we have, you know, streaming studios that we can connect and I can share that information without having to send it to them, but, um, unless need be. So we could go over it through digitally online. But I used what I usually do or used to do was I would email them a sample of the design that I would do. And it's a prototype. So, I would basically put my logo all over the, you know, with the opacity down a bit to make sure that they're not stealing any concepts that, you know, if anything happens that I can take action, legal action towards it because they haven't paid for it, but they're trying to get away with it or they get somebody else to do it for cheap or whatever like that, which never happens because I back my up. Okay. So they did the same thing and they just watermarked our our game tags all over the game not to the point that we can't it it overwhelms us but you can see it 
every so often that it just flares up because it's very low opacity to it opacity meaning transparency of course for those who don't know what that means um and it's clever because if you put any footage of this game on youtube or on social media or other or other uh, social media platforms or images on social media your tag is going to show if they find your ass you will most likely be banned or sued or whatever <laughs> for that or never be able to play the uh, online aspect of it anyway so uh fair warning to anybody who's playing the the actual game you know game don't share it i know it's great i know it's awesome don't share it yet because it's unfinished and they just want to make sure that it, it's okay but i'm telling you right now i love what i played so far i am looking forward to this game i just hope that it one i they won't i think they the reason why they delayed it the first time is because they heard our outcry for the fact that there was online dependency for this game and it looks like it's not going to be the case and they also after you do the game after you play the game they ask you to do a survey and i highly recommend people do this survey how don't just play the game do the survey because the survey is going to ask you questions like how do you like to play the game do you like to play the game multiplayer do you like to play the game offline online single player or whatnot if you like to play single player experiences make sure you put that on there so they can just have a single player story campaign that doesn't require you to play off uh play online and you don't have to rely on that means if there is no if there's absolutely if 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 the server goes down on their side of things we can still play the game the, the single player campaign if um if if something happens to your internet provider and service goes down for a bit if there's an outage in your neighborhood you can still play the game without the need for online so make sure you do that there and um the other thing they ask you too in the survey too i, I was curious because they do ask you what games have you played and they, there's a select few games in there one of which is marvel avengers there's some similarities between this game and marvel avengers they're doing some a, a lot of similar uh gameplay elements of suicide squad kill the justice league that is in marvel studios please if you've played marvel avengers and you know what we went through with that game please do the survey so they can make this game what that game was not don't let them make mistakes this is rock steady for god's sake they are capable of making an awesome game but don't let them make stupid mistakes like making this entire game online reliant i think that'll be a great mistake make one section for online use for those who like to do multiplayer but for those like myself and others and here's a if you learn if you learn uh from data and there was a recent poll out that stated most people like to play single player experiences more than they do multiplayer i'm for one i'm a person who likes choice i love the power of choice the greatest superpower you can have in life is the ability to choose if you are able to choose whether you want a single player game but also just want to jump into a multiplayer factor let that happen i'll give bandai namco credit they do that all the time with dragon ball games and, and all that stuff where it's like if you want to play single player you want to play offline we'll let you play offline if you want to play online here go into the offline portion of this do it that way learn from them this game has a lot of potential to be awesome 
It is really wild to play every just the, the um the third person shooter aspect is really good. The melee aspect is really good with each character. I like when it comes to melee, I love playing King Shark more than anything. Um when it comes I think the the best my favorite player to play it with is Longshot. My least favorite player to play right now is Captain Boomerang. It's a little bit tricky. A little bit tricky. It's going to take a while to get used to, but um, he's using a gauntlet that gives him the speed force ability. And it's a little bit to tackle because you're when you're going through Metropolis, you're a lot of times jumping, flying, and double jumping. So you got to learn how to skip and jump to make sure you make the areas and cliffs. Uh, Harley Quinn is using a lot of Batman's um, toys to get to traverse through Metropolis every so often. So that's a thing, too. She has this uh, drone that she uses to swing across, um, you know, buildings and whatnot. So um, that's a little tricky, but not as tricky to get used to. But I like King Shark and I love um, King Shark and and uh, and, and Dead uh, Deadshot are my two favorites right now in that game. But overall, I'm looking forward to this game. It looks awesome. And I, I go check it out. If you have a PS5 or Xbox Series X or S series, sign up, play it, and you know, put the S put the S put in it for the survey. Trust me, it'll benefit us in the long run. So folks, that will do it for this portion of the show. We're gonna take a break, come back, and end we as we enter the final stage, I will give my thoughts on Batman Arkham Trilogy for the Nintendo Switch, as well as talk about gamers' obsession for high-end graphics and frames per second. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! reached the final stage of this program and i'm not here to review yet this game series but i am here to talk about my first impressions of batman arkham trilogy which has arrived on the nintendo switch finally uh it premiered on the first of december as promised as advertised uh if you guys remember they had to delay the game because they didn't want to bring out a incomplete rush game after the events that happened with mortal kombat 1 so they were smart enough to say like look we want to give you the experience based on the legacy that we provided you from other consoles we want to make sure that this game plays stable and as enjoyable as it was on those other consoles because this is this has gained 
the status of GOAT in the world of not only video games, but also comic book related, you know, content. Batman Arkham Trilogy is well known as one of the greatest comic book based video games of all time. That is up until Spider-Man has come along. I won't say Spider-Man superseded, but it is lived is leveled up with it. It has been able to use what Rocksteady has been doing, created that formula and worked it into their own to provide us a very incredible fun experience with a incredible storytelling from the world of Insomniac games. But it didn't, it would not have happened if not for that, the, the contributions of Rocksteady games, uh, you know, and WB games to that matter, because they're connected with it. Now, as I mentioned, the controversy of Mortal Kombat 1, which is also connected with uh, WB Games, as well as Cyberpunk 2077 in 2020, also connected to WB Games, has created somewhat of a pattern. <clears throat> a pattern that Rocksteady did not want to be associated with. So what they did was said, we're going to delay this about a month, another month or two. It was scheduled to come out, I believe October 13th, it was, the week, it was scheduled to come out the weekend of New York Comic Con, which would have been awesome. But, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, due to the events of uh, the situation that happened with Mortal Kombat 1, which is still struggling for those situations at the moment, and they're slow pacing it, Rocksteady didn't want to put be a part of that group. He said, we're going to wait. We're going to give it to you on December 1st and give you a very stable, beautiful looking, as beautiful as it can be on the, on the Nintendo Switch handheld for the first time ever supposedly you will be able to play this on a handheld even though since that time we've had the steam deck and we had the a6 and other you know pc uh gaming handhelds that already has the actual complete full version of the game that you could play on air but to play this game on the nintendo switch and on top of that for the price that they're giving it is insane and when people found out on nintendo direct they were releasing this on the switch the world went crazy and this is before mortal kombat 1 came out and it came out as it did and people started crapping on this game and they started crapping on the entire console because of this one game that didn't live up which really pissed me off because one you knew that it was trolls doing it and it was the trolls that never owned a nintendo switch but the minute something fails or something goes wrong they they go you know they're sharks looking for blood in the in, in the ocean excuse me trying to find ways to crap on it and crap on the experience that everybody else has had let's not talk about the 400 i mean the 400 games that i've played on the Nintendo Switch, mind you, majority of those games that I've played and reviewed were ports that were played on other systems. I just reviewed Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections, which is also on a PlayStation 5 in the Xbox Series X and S, and it plays just as fluently, just looks just as uh, beautiful as it does on the other consoles. But we don't talk about that. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't talk about that Hogwarts legacy also came out from WB games and nobody talked about that. 
apparently it looks good and it plays pretty good albeit the resolution and frame rate doesn't live up to that of the next gen consoles mind you the next gen consoles have a processor and ram space to be able to do things that are not done anywhere else i hate this idea that people are trying to compare this now before we get before i get into my rant and tangent let's talk about batman arkham trilogy right now as i am giving my first impressions of this game and i've saw comparison videos which i think is utterly superficial mind you to do that because not everything is about graphics not everything is about frame rate i've played games with 30 frames per second with that is not 4k hell some of it is not even 1080p as at, at its lowest 720 and i've had just as great as experience playing those games as i have played anything from 4k was 60 frames per second not every 60 60 frames per second in 4k resolution does not automatically determine the fun factor of a game or a gameplay experience i have games that i have graded that are from that are 4k that did not live up to the standards of that it did not live up at all <coughs> mind you for spoken gotta be if i'm correct which is a good score not a great score um wulong uh what was the what did i yeah wulong uh fallen dynasty i gave somewhat of a b plus because it just it was the gameplay experience was okay but it wasn't great it looked awesome but it wasn't end of the day but i've given a plus to games that may not have actually had you know the 4k experience <coughs> when i think about games like that i think about legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i think about you know um you know Arthur cross bar to ultimate in store connections i talk about you know overwatch which plays on the nintendo switch and looks great okay um akibus trip you know director's cut was also played on other consoles it plays on a nintendo switch pretty damn good saints row which is on the PlayStation 5, gotta be. Like, it does, like, the experience, the overall experience doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter to that point. Um, yes, you can have a Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberties experience, but you can also have a UFC 5 experience, and this, and it, like, it's okay, it's good, but it doesn't live up. But I can play retro games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which looks great on every console, and have a much better replay value and fun factor than I can with a game that is, you know, above that. We see Mortal Kombat 1 looks fantastic, but did not live up to his expectations as it did on the other deal, whether it was on Nintendo Switch or it was on the PlayStation 5 version. But here, we got Batman Arkham. And on top of that, the entire trilogy, no doubt. Like, that's insane on the Nintendo Switch. It's one thing to have Batman Arkham Asylum because if you remember, folks, 
for those who actually did play it when it released first released it released in 2009 i believe and when that released it was only a few gigs big at the time because we didn't have we didn't have at the time huge file size games like we do now you know we just had you know to us like 10 gigs was big and at the time the download speed because the internet capabilities that we had and the speed capabilities that we had weren't that big in 2009 you know so um i just find it so hilarious that people forget in this day and age that we can have yeah they, it came out first initially released in august of 25 august 25th 2009 and it released for the playstation 3 it was remastered on playstation 4 um at the time but it originally came out on playstation 3 in 2009 that file size was not that compared to today that file size is not that big and the fact that the nintendo switch which came out in 2017 and then the oled came out and was able to do a little bit more than the original switch a game like arkham asylum can easily be ported on the nintendo switch i don't know why people thinking that the nintendo switch all of a sudden has the power and and, and uh, has the power of like the nintendo ds no this is even more powerful than the wii this is more powerful than the gamecube this is definitely more powerful than the 64 the nintendo switch because all because it's a handheld and people think like a handheld no this is not just a handheld this is also a full game console that you can play in your hands like before now because we got like the steam deck and the asics and all that stuff that are out that people are like looking down at the accomplishment that nintendo has brought the innovation that has led to the steam decks and asics and all those other ones like don't sleep on this game this company this company has been around for a over 130 years 136 if i'm correct and you know people need to you know as as what they always say put some respect on that damn company because they have innovated a lot in the gaming industry and this is one of them so if a company like rocksteady can easily bring it onto the nintendo switch why not and that's what they did so in playing arkham asylum i haven't I, i'm trying not to play and jump the gun on playing all the games yet i'll give my full review on it probably next week when i start talking about the game awards i'll give a quick review of it overall but i will say first impressions i am i'm very impressed of what they were able to do with arkham asylum so far and i did jump the gun because i had this conversation with this i'm gonna say he's a kid with this kid who who really thought he knew what he was talking about and based his opinion not on his own experience of playing this game but watching comparison videos and yeah if you're gonna compare it to the playstation 5 or playstation 4 yes there is gonna be a graphical change there's it's gonna be but i will say this it's not by much and trust me when i say from my personal gameplay experience of playing this game right now i'm loving it i am extremely impressed first of all i will say 
I would notice this, this game and its processor, which is far supersedes the Nintendo 360 and the PlayStation 3. This thing runs better. And I would say, damn, it looks great on a handheld. I don't, I never played it. I don't understand. I don't play, if I want graphics, if I want graphic power, I have a PlayStation 5. That's what I play it for. If you buy a Nintendo Switch, you know that you're not going to get a 4K experience on air. If that's what you want, you go to the three, you go to the um, Xbox Series S and X. You go to the PlayStation 5s. If you want something handheld and on a go and reasonably priced, you're going to go to Nintendo. And you go in with the understanding that you're not going to get graphic power in this thing. You're going to get playability and enjoyment, which is what Nintendo's all about. They don't care about high-end graphics. If they did, they would have tried to compete with them. They, fo Their focus is on playability and enjoyment. And that's what Nintendo provides. Now, does that mean that every single Nintendo game doesn't live up or look great? That's not true. No. There are some great-looking games on here. And I will dare say, Batman Arkham Trilogy so far is in this game. They managed to compress and condense all of that greatness into this game for you to have a ongoing enjoyment experience of this game. Does it play as great? Does it look as does it look as great? I would say if you played on handheld, I have no issue with the game so far. Does it play? Because the playability really plays, I think, is more important in the enjoyment and in, in, in the enjoyment in overall game experience and Arkham is known the Arkham trilogy is known for its revolutionary action combat battle system which really makes you feel like you're the you're the Batman in this game after playing Arkham Asylum and a little bit of um of uh Arkham Knight I can definitely assure you I am enjoying without knowing entirely the technicalities or anything, just overall enjoyment. I enjoy what I'm playing in this game so far. I've played the originals. I have the remastered version for the PlayStation 4 slash PlayStation 5 because it's compatible. And I'm finding just as much enjoyment out of playing it on the Nintendo Switch as I am playing it. And this is a fan perspective. This is not a professional because I'm not a professional. I'm a gamer. Gamers are not professionals. I just know when you get this, when you put this in my hands, when you give me the controller, do I have a great experience with this game? That's all that matters. And I have I'm having a just as creative an experience playing through this game as I did when I originally played it on the PlayStation 3 and when I replayed it on a uh, PlayStation 4 the same experience. I am finding nothing wrong with this game. And even more, Arkham Asylum actually loads much faster than it does on the old consoles. I I got stuck on one part that I forgot how to get through it. So I went on YouTube to look at um, YouTube walkthroughs of it. And just one that I looked at just happened to be the Xbox 360 version. And I noticed instantly one, they both looked the same, but I would say the Nintendo Switch version looked a little bit sharper and better because it's in the OLED screen and all that stuff and the colors a little bit more vibrant and brighter. But I would also say 
the loading time is insanely better on a Nintendo Switch than it is. In fact, it almost makes me feel like this is PlayStation 4 loading time, which I mean, I'm sorry, not PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5 loading time, which is rapid. When I, I lost a few times in certain areas, I got my ass handed to me in certain areas of the game. So you know what happens when you, you get defeated, the Joker or some enemy will come up to you. You know, they will clown you, no pun. And then you got to try again. Normally during the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 era, when you do that, it takes about a few seconds no, not on the Nintendo Switch version. It immediately takes you back to that one spot. And I was blown. I'm like, this is insanely quick. This is like seamless. This is same type of seamlessness that you get out of the PlayStation 5 in the Xbox Series X and S with their processor and their RAM abilities. So I was blown away by that. Also, there's certain areas in the asylum that requires a little bit of load time to get to that. There was a part when, again, when I looked at the walkthrough that was done on a uh, YouTube clip, there was a little bit of a load lag time when you open a door and go through one area to another, not in the switch version. It immediately instantly go with no load time whatsoever. So from a performance standpoint, I'm highly impressed by this. And not only am I impressed by this, I'm impressed by this with the idea of the actual memory space, the file size of it, because not only did they condense it, but they also, my God, they also um, downsized it and was able to like, and able to make this game perform the way it does. So let's talk about the memory size, the memory file size and the memory space that is needed for this. Now, Batman Arkham Asylum on the Nintendo Switch, I mean, for the, uh, in comparison to the other consoles prior to. So reportedly, as I looked up online, it states that the, I believe Reddit, I've read on Reddit that the, uh, file size for Arkham Asylum on the PS3 was about 13 gigs on the Xbox one. It was 25.5 gigs, which is like Xbox one was the equivalent of PlayStation four, which means that the PlayStation 4 version could also have been that same file size as well. And then you got the Nintendo Switch, the one I'm currently playing right now, which is only 6.8 gigs. So yes, that means a little bit of a downsize in terms of the, you know, resolution and quality. But again, on handheld, you don't really see it and you don't really care because once you get into the game, you're more immersed into the experience and the experience to me still it, it, it still has the same as experience that i would have in the original version that i would play it on and i'm telling you i don't give a rat's ass about it like have not it, the game not being in 4k or even 1080 doesn't really matter it doesn't it i still get to i still get the same enjoyment in all of it, I will get the same enjoyment if this game was on a PS Vita. I will get the same enjoyment if this was a retro game on the Nintendo. Like it, it, it really. It in some cases, I love a great looking game. 
but there are some cases where it doesn't have to be the highest game you know visually stunning game or the uh, it might not need the biggest frame rate game to have full enjoyment which is crazy because you know i'm somebody who grew up with video games throughout my life and i dating back to the pong era and i've seen the evolution of video games and i'm telling you i could go back and play an old game and still have the same enjoyment some games still if you know from the playstation 1 era playstation 2 or 3 era still hold up even if it doesn't look as great it still holds up but i can have a game right now that has a higher rated you know higher resolution and better processing power in low times and it might not live up there are games that i can there are more retro games that i can play that may be better enjoyment than some of the new games today that's that's fact that is absolutely fact so playing a lower version a smaller file size version of batman arkham asylum i'm still getting the same fun in in, in times that i had with it and, and blown away by the fact that it is that small and i'm still able to play it now granted this is nintendo they somehow always know how to compact a game experience and still make it bigger breath of the wild we cannot stress this enough breath of the wild was not only nominated for game of the year it actually won game of the year against higher resolution resolution games against higher games with less with only you know 60 frames per second it beat out those games hell tears of the kingdom is right now nominated for game of the year it if not for the a few other games like baldur's gate and some other ones it will probably have won again and it still may actually win next week it actually still may win for game of the year this is a game that is in its highest you know resolution is 1080 with only 30 frames per second mind you and it is among the best games of the year so you know see me with all that you know you need to have higher resolution or frames per second to enjoy a game that's complete bs okay batman arkham city on the playstation 3 xbox 360 i've read it i believe reddit i got it from reddit or something like that that is like 7.8 gigs can easily be played on the nintendo switch you can easily and that was a more open world version of this game and it could easily be played on a nintendo switch i don't understand why people think that these this arkham series cannot play now granted when it comes to batman arkham knight that's when it's a little bit tricky but again the nintendo switch has capabilities i don't know i think the ram is where it kind of steps up it doesn't have the same ram capabilities as the as the other games but it's still better than the games prior to you know it is the nintendo switch is definitely more powerful than that of the playstation 3 of the xbox 360 damn if not the playstation 4 or xbox one it can play this game and we have the gig space to be able to play it yes batman arkham knights is roughly 45 gigs possibly even 
more than that when it's all finished on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and PC. The, the, the Nintendo Switch can definitely, you know, remedy that. And let's not forget, let's not forget PC gamers that Batman Arkham Knight was the one game that shut everybody up in the game, PC gaming community because that was one of the few games that cannot meet the requirements. It, it did not play well on the on the PC. It it was a disaster on the PC. But guess what? It played beautifully on the PlayStation 4. I believe it did okay on the Xbox as well. Although there was I believe there was some issue on it, but the PlayStation 4 had little to no issues playing Arkham Knight. When I played Arkham Knight on the PlayStation 4, I had no issues with that game. I love playing that game. I beat it twice and had no issues with that game. So surprisingly on the Nintendo Switch, it is approximately 27.2 gigs on the Nintendo Switch. Now I've played a little bit of it. I haven't played it all the way through. It's not going to be the graphic powerhouse that it was on a PlayStation 4. But it, on a PlayStation 4, it's not the graphic powerhouse that it is on the PlayStation 5 either. It just, it boggles me that every time we get a new gen console, that everybody kind of throws shade on the old gen like as it was nothing. But there were some games on the old gens that were awesome that will still hold up. Like I still play like Fist of the North Star from RGG Studios, which is still a great game to play. Albeit, it's not 4K. It's not 60 frames per second, although you can possibly, no, it's not 60 frames per second, but it's still a fun game to play. It's still an elaborate open world experience. Like I need people to stop getting in this mindset. Now, I feel like this, 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 this mentality, if you will, I feel like this mentality is another type of thing that men, yes, I'm a man too, what the hell, but I got to represent us. I got to be, I got to say it's in, in its entirety as a, in its totality, if you will. I feel like this is one of those situations that men do in a form of compensation. Like before video games became a major thing in men's life, it's cars and it always will be cars, but it's one of those things that we find interesting like where there are certain men who would buy lavish cars or big cars to represent their masculinity their dominance in the world it was it was their he-man you know symbol but we learned we later learned that a lot of times men do that as a form of compensation for something that they're lacking whether it is a form of endowment if you will of the anatomy or something that just they just didn't lack so they buy this car to make themselves feel more dominant and i feel like in the world of video games this is now happening in the form of high resolution and in frame rate i feel like people men mostly so i won't dime out some women there are some women who do it too but i feel like it's you know this type of thing is mostly you know, based on men, men mentality, male mentality, if you will. And I feel like this is a form of compensation. You got to have the prettiest looking game with the lavish frame frames per second or whatever. I feel like it's a form of compensation. Like 
you know, it's it's no it's not no secret that there's a lot of gamers out there who are introverts who are in the who are considered geeks and like not geek culture because geek culture was people ironically playing along with the geek culture and celebrating geek and making it popular at the time i'm talking about actual geeks like i'm talking about geeks who lack social awareness or you know um you know who doesn't interact with other people a lot of times i feel like this is their bubble this is their world and they tend to use high-end graphics and frames per second as a form of way of saying like this is what you got to do to play this no this is not true i feel like you're compensating for something and i could be wrong this is just me going on a tangent right now i feel like this is just what it is i think this it doesn't get talked about but i feel like there's something psychologically linked to the idea of you a game is not good unless you it has 4k capabilities but then we said the same thing when 1080 came in and people were only playing games that were 720 or 360 or 480 it was like no it has to be 1080 because that's the dominant thing and then now here's the thing 4k is about to be out of the loop because 8k is coming and then we're, we're going to say to that like now all of a sudden 4k graphics is not good enough because 8k is out come on that's just ridiculous 4k graphics is insanely great but also 1080 graphics is also great as well and to some extent 720 was great there was nothing like by the time we reached 720 i felt like all right to what end is it going to be to a point where we're just going to say it all looks the same it all looks great like 1080 looks great 4k looks sharper but at some point some people were looking at the playstation 5 and the xbox series x and then looking at the playstation 4 was like really what is the difference here what is really the difference the biggest difference of the ps5 right now in the place in the playstation 4 was processing power in a sense of loading time the loading time was fantastic the ray tracing became a thing and it's really not that big of a deal to be honest ray tracing is okay but when you look at games without ray tracing it really doesn't matter you still see lighting that bounces off certain you know objects like cars or vehicles or certain you know um clothing or whatnot you still see that without the ray tracing factor it's just an added element it's a small thing. It's pretentious to be honest, because you got people when they found out about ray tracing and I, I talked to um, Boris about this too. When people started talking about ray tracing, it became the new pretentious popular term, the hot take term, if uh, as I would call it, because every once in a while people learn new terms and words and they use it in the zeitgeist of uh, pop culture and, and social media. And it's used to make them feel like they're a little bit more cultured, but they don't know the totality of it at all. So they use it in the zeitgeist of social media. And I've done that myself from time to time, but also I would look further into the situation, but I would also research a little bit more. I would also read more than 2,240 characters of something that of a headline or, 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 or a tweet or whatever. I would learn and research and then on top of that i have the opportunity to talk to people who actually are in the industry themselves and also studied thoroughly 
their craft and their skills in said industry. But you got people who just don't want to learn. They listen to a word or something. They hear something. Wrestling fans are, are, um, are in this realm too. They hear a word in the zeitgeist of the wrestling industry from people who are in the industry, from people who do wrestling radio shows like Wrestling Observer and all that stuff. And then they feel like they're more educated towards it, but they don't really have the experience. It The experience plays a factor too. This is why when I do shows like this, I get I, I say it as a fan and not as a pretentious professional because I'm not. I'm a ever student in this game. I'm an artist. I'm a skilled artist. I'm a professional graphic designer. I went to school for it. So far be it for me to, to for somebody to come into my world and try to make and try to act like they know what the hell they talking about. This whole Beyonce thing was another thing too this week because they they thought she was whitewashing and a lot of people aren't educated to understand what color theory and lighting plays a factor and if they were educated that would not be a controversy because they know her wearing a platinum dress with a platinum glamour glitter backdrop and her complexion and her hair is going to look different is going to make her complexion look different but if she was around a different background like if she was in a black background she would look a little bit different her complexion would come off different on a camera with a flash people lack the education like they trying to know what the hell they talking about so going back to this resolution and frames per second thing it's they make it seem like it's the most superior thing ever and it takes it determines and dictates one's gameplay experience it does not and i say all this to say that one, you can enjoy the Arkham Trilogy on the Nintendo Switch, despite it not having the complete game visual experience, but the gameplay and the playability and everything you loved about all three of those games are still in this game. And as long as it plays is as stable, which I've been playing for hours of Arkham Asylum so far, and it's been stable. I had none of the issues that I had with Mortal Kombat 1 that that NetherRealm Studios have made. Now, you got to remember, even though all of these are under the umbrella of WB Games, that does not mean they all perform the same. What Rocksteady does with their games is different from what, you know, with, from what um, NetherRealm does with their games, which is also which is different from what CD Projekt Studio does with their game. But they're all under the publisher that is WB Games. And there is a pattern that is happening with WB Games. Unfortunately, I'm, so far, it is not happening with Rocksteady. Rocksteady did not want to lose. It, you know what I think that is great about what they've done that the other studios have not done? Rocksteady, if I'm correct, is has developed this for the Nintendo. They didn't hire, if I'm correct, they did not hire, and I could be wrong, and I'm gonna give a full review of this when I finally finish all this but i believe they worked on this themselves i don't believe and i could be absolutely wrong here but i believe that i didn't see any third party company work on this you know um i think this is a great thing if that's the case because i believe that it will further my belief my belief of like of people like companies need to stop using third-party companies to work on your stuff and i know there's a rush 
for it, but I think if the actual company, if, if NetherRealm worked on Mortal Kombat uh, 1 themselves, I think it probably would have come out a lot better, probably looked a lot better as well. And I think they would have saved face to this. But I tell you what, it looks fantastic. Okay, so I'm looking at the developers, Rocksteady Studio, Turn Me Up, Games Included, Iron Galaxy. Okay, so there was a few extras in here, but Rocksteady definitely put in for this and it definitely shows i think they did are, are doing a great job here um in terms of this i i don't know how much turn me up games or iron galaxy has put into this but whatever they did they did right so i still believe i, I would love it to i would love for game companies to not utilize third-party games i mean it's a hit or miss but if you're a game company and maybe I need to move more educated as to why they keep using or outsourcing other developers to work on it. Cause it's, it's, it absolutely is a hit or miss situation when they do that, but maybe that's something I need to be more educated into. And hopefully, um, maybe that's not a question I can reach out to Alana Pierce for, cause she's highly educated. Like say what you will about Alana Pierce, you could say a lot of things about her, but I will always say that that woman is highly passionate for the gaming industry. She is very well educated. She knows a hell of a lot more than people give her for and like to believe that she doesn't know that she's just another pretty face. I mean, yes, her looks probably got her in in places that even she couldn't help. She can't help that she looks as great as she does, but you still gotta put in the work. You still gotta do your due diligence. You still gotta know what the hell you're doing. And she definitely knows what the hell she's talking about and doing i learned a lot from you know the things that she's put out on her on her uh, vlogs and videos and all the stuff i you know i can't i will never hate on her because at least when she puts out stuff she's not like thirst trapping like just to be out there there are a lot of thirst trappy you know content creators out there in the gaming world alana pierce proves that she is a legit force in the gaming industry and she knows what she's talking about that's why she gets the accolades that she does um so i feel like this is something that she would be able to further understand if i could probably reach out to her and maybe learn more as to why third-party developers actually you know are beneficial to ports you know when bringing out ports like this or what i i just feel like it's hit or miss and I, again, I'm talking as a fan, not as a pretentious professional. So I can learn from this. We can all learn from this as well. But I will say this right now. So far, I'm digging Batman Arkham Trilogy on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I When I played Mortal Kombat 1, there were some obvious, blatant issues. And when you put up Arkham Trilogy right now, or at least Arkham Asylum to that of Mortal Kombat 1 and those ports, it's night and day. Of the experience that i'm having with this um i would say rocksteady has helped redeem wb games on the nintendo switch i would i would say hogwarts legacy maybe too because I, again i didn't hear that much about hogwarts legacy and i've actually heard more positive things about that than i have with mortal kombat one and now it's actually shutting people up a bit there there are certain people that like that were talking crap about the Nintendo Switch before 
I'm not hearing that much right now. And I will tell you right now, I'm digging it. So I'll give a full report down the line, maybe possibly next week or the week after, because the game awards are coming out as well. Um, but I want to make sure that like, you know, this is worth. And again, here, how can you lose? You got all three of the trilogy on the Nintendo switch. And it's not like they charge you an insane amount of money for it. It's $20 per game games that when it was out. And I think that's a beautiful price for these games. Beautiful because when it's not like they're charging us 60 bucks per game, like it's a still of a price. And I think appropriate because yes, it is a downgraded version of the game, but it still play gives you the same experience that you have, albeit not the visually what you got from the place from, and I'm mostly talking about Arkham Knights in this case, it is not as visual stimulating as PlayStation 4, but it, it's very much as enjoyable as it is on the, on air too. And for 20 bucks, it's like, come on, it's 20 bucks a game. You're not paying 60. Now, if they were 60 for this, I, I would have issue. I would have issue if each game was 60 for this issue and we're not getting the exact, you know, replica of the game of those games, but it's 20 bucks. What are we complaining about? It's a $60 game for three massively massive games. There's nothing to complain about, but you're going to try to find something. And at least if you're going to complain about it, have merit to what you're complaining about. This is nothing to have merit for. I'm enjoying it and I hope you guys too. So there you have it. Folks, that will do it for this edition of Select Start. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and every episode, which you can find easily on TalkTownLive.com. All of our audio episodes are video exclusive interviews, including the one with Amanda C. Miller, the voice of Barato and Sailor Jupiter and many, many more that I just did with her is available on there. You could go on the website. You could go to the exclusive videos page, which is the sub page under podcasts, and you will see a list of, I believe is now up to 40 video interviews that I've done, but there are so many more interviews there. All, not every interview is in a video. There are some audio versions as well. And there are audio ver versions of the interviews I did in video as well that you can listen to. If you're just, if you need something to listen to on the road as you're traveling, especially during the holiday season, and you, I have interviewed one of your favorite, you know, anime voice actors or actors in general, or, um, you know, video game developers or whatnot, they're all there. They're all just something to listen to. Even if like they're based on a video game that, um, you haven't heard and you haven't played in a while, like great Casavan from super giant games. When, uh, Hades came out during the pandemic, I interviewed him. Great conversation I had with him. You'll learn something from each one of these interviews because it, they give you insight on what they do in their industry, as well as talking about what they were going in at the time. I just put up the interview with TC Carson, uh, Kyle Barker from, um, living single and the voice, the original voice of Kratos, um, that was never put up, but in, this was way before I started the video era, but this was one of the, um, one of the audio interviews that, you know, I got, um, Bob camp, the co-creator of Rena snippy. I did an interview with him. He was one of my first back in the day. So I'll be uploading that as well. Ruben Langdon. I think I, I got a few Ruben Langdon's up there. The original voice of Dante from devil may cry and the original voice of Ken masters from street fighter. 
uh, got him up to. Really cool guy. I mean, I know there's a lot of controversy with him at the time, too, but I think it's controversy is really kind of unwarranted in his case. He's a really, really dope dude. Um, and he's always been he's always been a, a, a good friend of the show as well. So I got a bunch of interviews that hasn't even seen the light of day in this new platform that I'm in now that I need to upload. So I'll be doing that during the holiday season as well. Um, you can check out the blog page, which has a lot of great content from New York Comic Con and other things on there uh, as well. Video footage of that. One of the coolest video footages I have is um, Robert, uh, was it Robert Kirkman? and ed boone talking about how omni man ended up in mortal kombat one another great one that i did from this past year was the one and only uh, peter cullen and his uh panel for uh in his octopus prime panel right around the time when um you know rise of the beast came out i forgot that that movie came out and it was this year there were so many movies really awesome movies that came out this year but got a chance to probably one of my best filmed you know um panels that i've done i would say uh was done by that one and it got a, received a lot of great you know uh feedback from people for that one so go anyway check that one out too um but some clips from me and molly flanagan and his on air as well my interview with molly flanagan also you know available there just a lot of great content for you and for free mind you is all on talktalive.com so go ahead and check that out if you do want to support talk time live and subscribe and download Go find ACMG Presents Talk Time Live wherever podcasts are played. That is including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast. It literally is in so many different places. You just type in ACMG Presents Talk Time Live on any of those factors. You'll be able to find it there. So, folks, thank you again this Sunday. Uh, I am going to give my thoughts and review of Knights of the Zodiac, a.k.a. St. Zaya, the live action uh movie that has come out earlier this year uh i did not want to go see it in the theaters and thank you netflix you brought it out on your platform i finally got a chance to see it and i'll give my thoughts on it because it may be what you didn't expect again we got these live action you got these live action anime adaptations that are out and with yu yu Hakusho coming very soon uh this month and in fact it's coming out on the 12th i believe um which is a week like almost a little over a week i'm gonna give my thoughts on this one in hopes that it's i could say it's good or not and as also lo looking forward to you hawk show because i'll be reviewing that one uh when that week come in as well so stay tuned for all that and much more so folks that will do it for me on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live I am out of here. Take care and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.